0: As a kid I wanted to be a superhero, I wanted to have powers, and I wanted that because I wanted people to admire me for something, I guess. I wanted to be celebrated. When you have full-blown self-expression
1: and there's no barriers holding you back, it's truly powerful. This is Gender Euphoria, a limited podcast series from Broccoli Content. My name is Hannah Walker-Brown and over the next seven episodes, I'm going to be interviewing people I really admire about when they feel most like themselves, what brings them joy and pleasure, and their individual journeys to self-acceptance. When we only talk about pain, misery, trans people are turned into statistics and it, it takes the human nature of us away. Being yourself is radical. It's an act of defiance in itself, just allowing yourself to live authentically. In this episode, I'm talking to Tanya.
0: My name is Tanya Compass. My pronouns are she, her. I am the founder of of Exist Loudly, which is an organisation that centres joy and community for queer black young people, um, I also do bits on social media to kind of use my platform to talk about everything from identity to mental health to joy. I think most, of my, I think a lot of my focus is just joy, to be fair. Yeah, sharing the bits in my life that bring me joy.
1: So tell me a little bit about what makes you you and how you find joy.
0: I think it's purpose. I think I like to have a purpose um, and I like to kind of step into my purpose. I feel like for me... I know that working with young people is something that always brings me joy. Like, that brings me a huge, huge, huge amount of joy. Because I realised at at points when I kind of was deviating from maybe doing so much youth work, I realised I wasn't as happy as I was beforehand. And I felt like... I don't know. I just felt like I've got I've got so much to give to young people. And when I'm able to do that and I'm able to kind of tap into that, that's when um, I'm at my happiest. I think I'm also at my happiest when I'm... You know, at the random moments when I might be at home with my girlfriend and I'm just and we're both just relaxing together. Um I think that's also when I feel joy. When I find an outfit that looks good and makes me feel like myself and makes me feel at home in myself, that's when I feel joy as well. And um, when I'm with my friends, when I'm in like Pussy Palace or Babes and I'm dancing to Bashman, that's when I feel joy. I think I'm always seeking joy and seeking spaces of joy and um, for myself and to create that for other people as well. So
1: have you always been like that or is this something you've had to kind of nurture over time?
0: Nah, no, it's definitely something um, that I've had to nurture. I don't think, I think, again, there's so. I spent so much of my younger years, um, and I say younger even up until my early 20s, kind of just trying to fulfil other people's expectations that they had of me. So I don't think I necessarily was living for myself. I think I was living for everybody else. And I think the moment that I came out as queer, it wasn't even like, oh, the moment I came out as queer, then suddenly now I start living for myself. It wasn't because I still was very much pandering to other people's feelings and, and kind of foregoing my own boundaries and all this stuff and I think it was only when I realized that I have to have myself I have to have my own boundaries and I have to live for myself um that I actually started doing it because and then that's when I think start, things kind of shifted I think it shifted a lot with my work I think it shifted a lot with how I talk about myself how I talk about things in my life who I have in my life um but yeah it's definitely something that I've learned it's by no means something that I have woke up suddenly and kind of decided hey yeah this is what I'm doing like I'm also in therapy you know what I mean my therapist helps me to work around and work out what my feelings are and work out just everything and I think that's, I think particularly therapy has really helped me to figure out exactly what our purpose is and how I can step into my purpose and go you know and go towards that and seek joy while still having boundaries and while still having and keeping myself stable as well
1: and so, tell me about when you feel most like yourself. This Tanya, that's the happiest you've ever been. When do you most feel like you?
0: Um, uh, first thing, the first thought that came to my head when I feel like when I'm like, when do I feel most like myself? And that's when I get like a fresh shape up from the barber. That's when I'm thinking, oh, I'm like, oh, okay, actually, yeah, I feel like I feel like myself most when I have a fresh shape up and I'm going out wearing, like, a satin shirt with, like, an open-button satin shirt um, and some nice trousers and just my white air forces. That, for me, I'm like, yeah. Like, this is this is, this is is kind of... And with, like, my face beat as well with makeup, like, that's what I'm like, yeah. I think that finding who I am, especially in terms of gender expression, has been definitely been a journey because I think so often, like, people align these labels to you. And then, again, so it's like you go into the queer community and then you feel like, OK, great, like, I figured out that I'm not straight. This is wonderful, like I can't wait to live my life. But then you get there, and then suddenly now people are putting on labels on you, whether it's stud or stem or fem or whatever it may be. And I think, of course, labels can help people find a home, I guess, or make them feel like they belong somewhere. But I think also labels can be so restrictive in terms of how you express yourself. So I think at the beginning, I feel like I almost went through like an identity crisis at the beginning when I came into the queer community, like, okay, I'm gonna be the really feminine one. And then I was like, okay. No, I'm gonna be really masculine. I'm not gonna wear makeup, and I'm just gonna wear X, Y, Z stuff. And it's like, I actually, I I wasn't dressing for myself. And I think, and I think I could see that. Like, look back at pictures now, and I'm thinking, right, I would never wear those outfits now. And I think that even with me, where I say, you know, I'm a masculine-presenting woman, that for me was the closest way, like the closest label, I guess, that enabled me to feel um, seen, uh, because it wasn't a stud, it wasn't a stem, whatever it may be. But I think also with that label, there's you know people who feel like they're the most masculine presenting like women in, in in this whatever in the community like look and be like how can I be masculine presenting when I wear makeup or I may wear like women's clothes sometimes or whatever it may be so I think there's again there's always conditions with all of these things so I think for me um that like, oh, I've got like a I've got like a tattoo on my chest that says um some days I feel like water and it's kind of like water exists in so many different forms whether it's ice or mist or water or whatever it may be um And I feel like I I am the same. Like I feel like I exist in many forms and I give myself space to do so. And I think that I am kind of learning to step away from the need to assign a label to myself, but also I think to be aware and reflect as to whether or not these labels are restricting me in terms of how I express myself, whether it's my mannerisms, whether it's how I dress, whether it's what I talk about, Um, and kind of check myself, I think, when I realise that I'm kind of not that I'm no longer doing something for myself and I'm doing something for a label. And I think that's something that a lot of people have to take into account as well, because it's so easy to, you know, want to just be what people expect of you, um, as opposed to actually find out what it exactly is that you want for yourself. And I think that's what kind of, that's why I think I'm so happy now, because I think, especially over lockdown, you've got, you have a lot of time sitting with yourself, sitting with your body, sitting with, you know, like I played around with clothes. I feel like I played dress up with myself, like playing around with makeup, playing around with my hair. Um, like in terms of different hair colours different styles that I've been doing Um, I've realised these are things that kind of have helped me find a lot of joy and feel a lot of happiness in myself is just giving myself the permission to just be
1: I absolutely love the idea of water and flow and kind of being able to adapt and shift and kind of not be restricted in any form and also that you know the way you dress is assigned to your mood, like however you're feeling. It's kind of an expression of that, because I think you know what else should how you dress be pegged on? And I think the society
0: people like to put people in boxes, and um, it, it boxes and labels bring people comfort, where a comfort in the sense of people feeling like they know you. I think that people can find comfort again in just being like, cool, yeah, I am just this person, and I'm just gonna be you know, fulfill this, fulfill this expectation of me because I think when you're when you dare to kind of step out of that and that's when things can get hard. Like I don't think stepping out and, you know, being where stepping outside of like the stereotypical view of what a woman like what a, what a woman quote unquote should be or what a man should be, um, let alone when you are trans or non binary, you are kind of putting a massive middle finger up to society in terms of what people's expectations are of you. But with that can come violence, it can come a lot of abuse, it can, like, even being like a masculine, sentient woman, me wearing men's clothing and stuff, I, you know, I've been, I've had men threaten to beat me up and stuff beforehand because they look at me and they think that I'm a man or that I want to be treated like a man because of the clothing that I'm wearing. I'm like, it's got nothing to do with that. And I think the same way you look at um people who are gender non conforming and how gender non conformity makes people feel so uncomfortable to the point where it makes, and it makes them uncomfortable because again, it, it, it goes against societal norms and because of that again it can it can put people right like at risk of violence and I think that is it can whether it's verbal or physical or whatever it may be it is violence and I think it's there's so much that needs to be changed I think in society to make it safe for everybody to be able to fully express themselves which is why I always say kind of like sometimes people can only express themselves in their four bedroom walls and that's okay because at least you can still find that that small period of solace to remind yourself of who you are even if it and it doesn't make you any less of Person or who you are, if you have to go out into the world and assimilate to what the expectations are of you, because we have to we, we always have to choose our safety first and foremost.
1: And I think that's so important to have these spaces, not just kind of literal spaces, but you know, in the work you do, you're creating a physical space, but you're also holding space for someone else, space where they can be vulnerable, where yeah. it's safe to express themselves, where it's safe to say, who they are and how they're feeling and I wanted to ask you does that drive to hold space to create space come from perhaps there not being spaces for you during your formative years
0: like I've always been part of something like when I was younger I was you know I played football for years um so that was my community was my football um and then it went I went to college and that's like our football team folded. so we went to college and when I was in college I started dancing and my dance was my community and I think when I went to university, I didn't necessarily have that. Like, of course, I had friends and blah 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 and all that stuff, but I ne- never necessarily had a space where I felt like I truly belonged as myself. Um, and I was, and bear in mind, I was still like heterosexual for at this point. And I think it was only really when I acknowledged or understood that my sexuality and understood that I wasn't heterosexual that I kind of started seeking spaces where I could just be myself and where I could be free of I guess other people's ideas of me that they like I think that when you you know when I was 23 when I first came to understand my sexuality and when I told people about it and it's like you know people have all this expectation of you and they think they know you to a certain point and then it's like you throw this massive curveball in or it shouldn't be so massive but it is. Like, oh, I'm queer and I I date women now. And it's like, it became really hard trying to justify or explain who I am all the time to like old friends or to family and stuff like that. So it just got became tiring. And then I kind of sought out spaces, obviously, with queer black people because I, you know, I I think that there's this assumption that you come out as queer and then suddenly you want to go to GAY and heaven and like dance to ABBA and all this stuff. And it's like, actually, I still want to dance to Bachelor I still want to dance like to whatever it may be. Um and I wanna do so around black people. I don't wanna I don't wanna have to give up my access to the black community by virtually being queer, which is why I sought out black queer spaces and or black or spaces that centre like black queer and POC people. So that's where like babes was the first night I went to and that was obviously seeing incre- that was incredible. That for me stepping into a place of all black people, of all people that were queer and I was like, wow, like that was that was that that shifted things for me and I think the same thing with Pussy Palace, it was a space where I made friends and a space where I felt like I belonged, where I could walk around in a club. You know, my experience as a youth worker has been creating spaces. Like, I've been a youth worker for the past six, seven years now. So for me, it has been creating spaces for young people, particularly young black women. And again, it was like, I want to be able to do this for young people, but more specifically for young queer black people, because I know that, you know, coming out of 23, what meant that I could access club nights and I could do so, you know, safely and I had money and da, da, da. Whereas for a lot of these younger people who can't access club nights yet, or maybe don't want to access club, club nights yet. And I was just like, cool, let me just start creating something for young people, like the young queer black people. And I knew what the importance was, but I've really, truly seen the importance of it, I think. We deserve spaces where we can just exist and where you don't have to second guess yourself in terms of are you being too outrightly like queer? Are you being too... Is, is your blackness making other people feel uncomfortable in the space? Is it are you gonna be fetishized in the space because you're black and you're dancing to whatever music is you're dancing to, you know what I mean? And I think that to be in a space where it is only around queer black people is just so affirming and it allows gives you a space and gives you permission in that sense to kind of just breathe. And then when you're breathing and when you're really exhaling, you can really find who you are and find your people and find your chosen family and to be able to create that space is a massive is, and have young people come to it is a massive honour it's only going to keep growing from now. And I think even with, there's so many other groups now that are being made as well that are specifically supporting black LGBTQ plus people in so many different facets. You've got the Black Trans Foundation that supports black trans people and is looking at like a really holistic way in terms of like uh, funding therapy and all things like that. You've got the Black LGBT Therapy Fund, which is, again, funding therapy for black people. You've still obviously got, got babes and you've still got, you've got Prim Black, which is like a book club for queer black people and it's that's like there's so many spaces that are opening there's even like black with like and it's about black with a Q, and that's like run by young queer black people and they've created a space for themselves and I think that it's so amazing because we're all seeking space in the, the day we're all seeking community we're all seeking spaces that allow us to just be ourselves um and I think sometimes it's so easy to think that we're kind of look at the black queer community as like a monolith as though like by virtue of being queer and black that everyone's gonna like the same things everyone's gonna like the same music everyone's gonna get on with each other everyone's gonna be friends and sing kumbaya, kumbaya together and it's like we're all like individual people without individual likes and dislikes and i think it's really imperative like we need and we deserve to have a multitude of spaces that allow people to kind of figure out who they are and figure out which spaces make them feel like themselves and um and for some people that maybe exist loudly for some people that's not and that's and that's is the beauty of having choice and having options we shouldn't have to you know there shouldn't be only one once one choice of space that we can go to i think our community deserve and like queer black people in general deserve to have so many options um and you know you can be as specific as you want with, with it like as i said you can you can create a group for like there's a you can create a group for black trans people who are of african african heritage specifically like if you wanted to like you could and then you'll find find people that align with that thought process and will come together and then you'll create something powerful amongst yourselves and I think that's really yeah, I think it's really just important for people to know that there are spaces for them but also know that they are also able to create their own spaces and just because another space exists doesn't mean that they're not allowed to create one as well um, so I think it is. I think we're, we are, in even in just the times we're in now, I think we are in a really exciting time just to kind of see um, the more spaces that get created and unapologetically for queer black people and how that can impact our community as a a
1: whole. I love the idea that this is a space where someone can actually exhale. It's almost like, oh, I'm doing it. But when you you finally let go and you're like, oh, you know, you've arrived, you've come home, you know, where you can start to take off some of these layers of armour or I don't know anything that you put on yourself that means the actual real you disappears. Yeah, hundred
0: percent, hundred percent. And
1: you know, you do a lot. We've established that um, amazing, amazing work online and offline. But who, who looks after you? How do you nurture yourself? Um,
0: <laughs> no, I, you know what? I think that for myself, um, therapy again is one way that I look after myself. It's something that I do every week. I've been in therapy with this specific therapy who is a black woman I've been with her for like a year and six months maybe um and I go to her weekly and she's amazing like going to therapy is literally that is my that gives me my permission to kind of just get off my chest anything and everything that has been in my mind that has been maybe impacting me mentally and emotionally I think for me it is just being intentional with myself and setting boundaries. I think boundaries, 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 boundaries is literally the best way, best act of self-care for me is boundaries. Um, I think that by having boundaries, I, it's completely shifted the dynamics of everything from my work to my relationship with friends, family, um, work, Most in particular work. I think it's so easy for work, especially as a freelancer, for work to take over your life. Just because they're hiring you for work doesn't mean that they're now entitled to your space and time. 24 seven of the day at whenever they want um so having boundaries i think has been and learning boundaries and again that goes back links back into 360 to therapy and um, that has been probably my biggest act of self-care for myself it's just kind of learning what boundaries are express and then express it being confident enough to express my boundaries
1: we've been taught for so long that you know you should take every opportunity that comes your way you always have to say yes and i think it's only recently this kind of dialogue of you know how saying no is actually essential for you know your mental health to live a balanced life and I think especially if you're in especially if you work in a creative industry and I think actually there's great power in choosing yourself in the same way that you would have previously chosen a job you know answering that email at midnight or putting someone else's project at the detriment of your mental health and that's not to say that you know you don't just do anything, but it's actually kind of acknowledging that part of having a successful career is actually, the, is actually the successful self-care in inverted commas that goes on behind the scenes that allows you to do that.
0: 100%. Like I think there's this idea. I think saying no is, at some times, it is saying yes to yourself by virtue of saying no because I think people, as you said, especially if you are a woman, um, people expect you to consistently be of servitude to, to others and it's something that's ingrained from like you know back in the day like it's been going on for years so I think and I think especially for myself as a youth worker where people see that I'm a youth worker be like, okay cool Tanya helps people like and I used to get people DMing me like trauma all the time like I'd be sitting in bed on a Saturday I could be having a great day and suddenly I'll get a DM full of like really 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 traumatic shit and there's been no there's no trigger warning there's no like there's no asking there's no like hey is it okay if I share this there's nothing at all um it's just offloading into my dms so because of that like and that was affecting me so much I think at one point I felt like I had to be there for everybody because I am youth work and I care but then that was always like a detriment to myself because it would have there was no boundaries with it which is why like for me like I turn off my dms to people that don't follow so if 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 you do want to follow me it has to be boundaries and it has to be with the element of knowing that like I can't be your youth or I can't I can't be there to help you work out your own trauma because I'm still dealing with my own and I've got and I can help other young people do, you know, work out theirs, but that's through professional work 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 routes. It's not done through DMs or social media. It's done through specific time that I set aside that I can plan for, um, and then work out through my therapy, you know what I mean? Which is again why with all my work therapy is necessary because i do help a lot of young people work through their kind of trauma and stuff that's going on And i think because i'm because i'm i'm just such an empathetic and compassionate person that when you tell me what's happening with them it always really impacts me because it it upsets me a lot because it's just like raw like people are really like some of the stuff that happens you you know you just wouldn't you you wouldn't believe it and so it, it, for me, the way it doesn't, where well, I know it impacts me a lot, because I, I just feel, I like, I like, I like, feel everything. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like, having a space where I can work that out as well through therapy is really important for me.
1: And so, coming to this idea of gender euphoria, which is kind of why we put all these conversations together. Um, this idea of finding pleasure or joy in your body, in your identity. What sort of comes to mind when I say that? Is there any specific moments you can recall where you felt really euphoric within yourself?
0: When I feel euphoric in myself, I think it's actually when I'm naked. I'm not going to lie. I think that my body is something that I have went through periods of really struggling with in terms of like self-confidence and stuff like I never used to have like sets with the lights on this is when I used to sleep with men which is why it's a massive difference but like I never used to have like sets of lights on I used to make it made or sometimes I wouldn't even like take all my clothes off because I just was so self-conscious about my body and how that was being perceived and I just felt so bad about myself and then then it went through I went from that scale to then being like gymming like so much and doing all these stupid diets and stuff and I got really really slim and again it was I was never happy you're brought up to kind of believe that being bigger or being fat or being overweight whatever it may be is inherently something that is bad and that is undesirable and all this stuff and I think for me um learning kind of like going I think choosing exercise as a means to make me happy and to make me feel stable as opposed to as a means to lose weight has really shifted my thinking and also inherently shifted the way that I look at my body Like I. Love being naked. Now. I love. I think for me, I feel like really euphoric when I like put on, like when I'm putting on like my my body butter and stuff. And I do it like, I stand in front of a mirror and I look at myself all the time. I look at myself when I put when I put my thing and I really take my time with it. Like my girlfriend always laughs because she was like, it's really like a little. She was like, it's like your own little ceremony for yourself, and it is. It really is. Like it really like all my lumps, my bumps, and everything, and all my jiggles and everything like that is something that I am so. I don't know. I would say I'm so thankful for. Like I think I'm. I never thought I'd be this happy. Um, being the size that I am and because I always was kind of seeking to be smaller because I thought that that's what what women had to do or that's what was desirable by cis men and it's like, for me um, you know, being my size and also having a partner that's my size I think is really beautiful like I actually love it, like I think having a body next to yours that mirrors um, and is very similar to that of your own is just really, really beautiful and I think it times like that I think it is when I I'm kind of stripped down outside of my clothes that I do feel most euphoric in my in myself and my gender because I think that um, I spent so many years hating my body that to now actually actively choose to love it and actually live it and know that, like, and kind of, you know, through exercising, through running, through going on my bike rides, when, like, I literally feel like a child when I'm riding my bike and I feel um, like my childhood self. And I think it's something that I lost. And I think when I bike ride, I really feel like myself. I think that's when I feel really, really euphoric because I'm like, yeah, this is me. Like this, this, this is this is me. And knowing that I've got the space to exist in many different forms, whether whether that is by like clothing or makeup or hair, like knowing that I've got that possibility to exist in many different ways is what makes me feel euphoric. I think it's hard to pinpoint and be like, oh, it's this exact moment that makes me feel that way because it's not. There's many moments um, when I when I do feel that way, and I think I always kind of seek those moments more and more now.